Hey everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of ACR Radio. Actually live, we're doing it. We've teased this for a little while now on social and here we are. We're going to give you some insights into our business as ACR. We're going to give you some insights into other people's businesses. We have interviews, we have guests, we have all these kinds of different things for you guys over the next couple of weeks and couple of months. And we just really want you to enjoy it. Our whole take on it is that ACR is built on three simple steps. You're acquiring customers, you're converting customers, and you're retaining customers. Every activity you do in your business should hit one of those three things. If not, you need to be assessing what you're doing with those things outside of those things, basically. What we want to do is bring you insights not only into our business, like I just mentioned, but also other businesses of all different sizes, creeds, niches, everything you think. Um all different kinds of marketing activities, whether that's email, branding, content, social, you name it. Over the next couple of months, we're going to cover it. If you have any questions for us, you can email them in or message them in and we will answer them as best we can. What we're going to do is interview like thought leaders, people who have been through the things that you are potentially going through right now, and give you the best possible advice they can to one, get through it, two, overcome it, and three, be better because of it. That's that's the basic gist of our show, where we see different businesses fitting into ecosystems. So if you have an e-commerce business for argument's sake and you're not developing your email strategy, how do you start? How do you build? If you have an email strategy and it's plateaued, how do you take it to the next level? Same with social, same with content, same with branding, all of these different kinds of areas of business where we think we can help. We're going to send you some interviews and give you some people that you can ask these questions to over the next couple of months so with that in mind we thought we would when we said we were going to start we would start as big as we possibly could so i'm a huge fan of email as you probably know anyone who follows us on social email is something that i deal with every day for various different clients email is something that i enjoy and i enjoy learning and developing more about it so what we're going to do is Going to give you an interview with founder, CEO of Dotmailer, Tink Taylor. Now, I got to speak to Tink last week. Super, super nice guy. And if he's listening to this again, I honestly can't thank him enough for taking the time out to speak to us, giving us an insight into Dotmailer, giving us an insight into the work that he does, how he's grown and developed and changed Dotmailer um, over the last 20 years. As well as Dotmailer, he is the sits on the Association of Email Marketing Council. He's on the Internet Advisory Board. He's just been announced as a judge at the BMWI UK Awards. Like this guy does so so much. Um, it's it's unbelievable. And he took the time out to speak to us last week to give us the background on Dotmailer, which some of it I didn't know, even though I'm a fan of email. Some tips on getting the best out of your day, the most out of your day. And we had an interesting chat around interface and making things easy for a customer, making things easy for a user, how he sees his business developing over the next 12 months, 18 months. And also we touched on GDPR, which I know anyone who discusses email lately, GDPR comes up in the in the conversation. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What I'll do is I'll let him tell you what he thinks about it, as in he's had so much experience in this industry. He's the man to speak to. And I really, really hope you enjoy the interview. If you do, let us know and come back with some comments, some questions and things like that. And in the course of the next few weeks, 
our shows over our shows we will answer them as best we can for you cheers and enjoy okay so we're sat with ting taylor founder of dot mailer um, he's being kind enough to let us interview him today, ask him some things around email, uh, speak about GDPR, where he sees .mailer going, how .mailer came to be and stuff like that. So hoping for a really interesting chat. Like uh, I know we just mentioned off, off record before, it's really like it's a pleasure to be able to interview you and get your insights into things, um, or e-commerce and email as well. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know .mailer, which I'm... Um, assuming it's not too many people. Um, do you want to give a quick intro, a quick blast about uh, what you do think for, for .mailer and where .mailers kind of come from? Yeah, so I'm the, the, the founder and president of .mailer and thank you for your kind words there. Um, yeah, so we're, we're sort of a, a mid-market uh, marketing automation platform. Uh, we came out of the email marketing space uh, moved more into the email marketing automation space and today we find ourselves looking really at marketing automation in general sort of you know, true multi-channel uh, automation as I say aimed at the mid-market we see lots of players uh, in the market that are highly sophisticated uh, and with that typically comes uh, a very expensive solution but it's also expensive in terms of the people that you need or the number of people you need or the agency help you need to be able to get the most out of that. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, we see competitors out there that are limited in terms of their feature set. So we're, we, we position ourselves right in the middle of that and like to think of ourselves very much now as a global player, as .mailers tentacles have spread out from where we were founded in, in, in South London. Uh, 20 years ago uh, next year long time uh, <laughs> so, so now now we have offices all over the world and clients in you know more than 150 different countries very nice so the i suppose the big the big question for for everyone listening would be why email uh, i know um it, it, you like you mentioned before you, you've been in the game now for 20 years over 20 years what what was it initially about um email and that niche of marketing in particular that drew you to it and that was the basis of fandom.mailer yeah sure so i'm not sure how many of your sort of your listenership would um know of our history but we actually started as a web design and development company um we were at a period 20 years ago where everyone was building static websites we were much more technical than that so we were building things like content management systems e-commerce uh, platforms ourselves so uh, not unsurprisingly we had some products called dot editor which is our, our content management system dot okay. commerce that was our e-commerce e e platform um, as we built those for our customer base uh, obviously the next challenge once uh, they'd gone live was really to market their site so that's where dot mailer really came about because uh, email is one of the if not the best uh, certainly the key ways of marketing uh, your online presence and I think over the years, you know, we were a small company. Uh, we were punching above our weight in terms of our technical might because uh, certainly our background of being, um, from a developer standpoint, very, very sophisticated given the technology that we were competing against at the time. We were actually competing on three fronts against sort of, you know, giants of technology in the e-commerce space, in the content management space, and also the email space. So that meant we were stretched quite thin from a sales, marketing, development, 
uh, point of view, and especially in the marketing budget point of view, where our competitors had very, very deep pockets. Most of them came out of the US. So over the years, what we what, what we looked at as a business, as an entrepreneur, is where are we making the biggest bang for our buck? Where can we make uh, the fastest recurring revenue? And we naturally gravitated to, towards email because it was uh, something that was easier to build upon, grow and scale and actually track uh, that growth curve. Um, so over time, we transitioned out of the other stuff uh, and just pro focused primarily on the email. But I think that's what actually is also made us a, a very successful over the years because you know organizations such as yourself you know we have a we have an understanding what it's like to be uh, an agency we have an understanding what it's like to be one of our partners that are you know, selling e-commerce platforms or content management and we also therefore understand what it's like if you have one of those platforms to talk to the customers so we really knew what people needed and we decided that we'll, we'll start building those features and capability and services uh, in and around the email and the email automation space. Okay, so you just you, you mentioned a couple of things there about um, the, the history of .mail and com, coming from the content management side of things and the, the editor side of things. Was there, um, you, mentioned, you mentioned as well, there was a natural kind of gravitation towards email and people asking similar questions of you and if you could do things and stuff like that was the one was the one particular thing in the market that you felt was missing and your evolution into dot mailer could provide or was it um uh, constantly being asked can we send emails through your system can we create emails through your system and the market eventually changed because i know, like i've been doing this for over 10 years now as well and email has really come into its own over the last couple of years. There's been a lot with personalization and product recommendations and making content more relevant mm -hmm. and real time and all these kinds of things. But when when you come into that space, was was there like a, a goal in mind to say, we think the market is missing X, whether it be um, the size of a business you go for, whether it's a piece of technology or a, a, just a feature that you, you didn't think anyone was really grasping too much? Uh Absolutely, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. With a big part of the DNA that lives within .mailer. Uh, so we'd built a number of websites, and in the early days, we'd built lots of things like Top Gear, Radio Times. You know, BBC was a big client, and they were the one. You know, we were doing lots of viral uh, campaigns for them, and they were gathering lots of email addresses. Uh, so there was people like them that were really driving us to say, right, we now want to to send send out more email, and our content management platform. Uh, dot editor was actually very very good and it was based uh, around uh, a, a cheesy slogan that I've always used um, within dot mailer and I think it's leaked to the outside world but we say to developers is we want to build NASA technology uh, with a Fisher Price interface and really what we meant by that uh, is my background you know I worked on content management platforms for a, a company that was later acquired by IBM and in those days this is sort of we're talking about the dot-com bubble bursting people were charging a million dollars for a website and they weren't that good at all the systems they were using were made to look very very complex to justify the cost and it meant for the marketer it was very difficult for them to use so that that sort of NASA technology and Fisher-Price interface really was around saying that we know that we can give the marketer a tool that is very very sophisticated but very, very simple to use. So we see at the top end of the market uh, some 
high-end competitors that you can do everything. It's like a Ferrari. Uh, but as I say, to be able to use that is very, very difficult, uh, technical and expensive. And at the bottom end of the market, you know, there are some very, very easy-to-use platforms, but they're limited. So what we like to do is merge those two parts of the market. We definitely saw something missing in the middle, and that's deliberately where we positioned ourselves. Make the difficult things easy. Yeah, definitely. I think I, from experience from my own clients as well, um, when I've been when I've had conversations with different people and they they have the .mail platform, they use .mail, they have email systems and stuff like that, but they don't. Not everyone really spends the time to understand the the powerful nature of what they've got in front of them, and I think that's where .mail is really user friendly and the interface is really user friendly to be able to say to someone look x y and z function will give you a mass amount of data will give you a mass amount of opportunity to speak to customers in a in a number of different ways um so i i do i do think you're achieving what your goal is from from a client <laughs> point of view to say i go into people and say do, do you know you have this in front of you and they're like oh no we've never really but it does what it does and it functions perfectly fine but there's very few people who go in and they actually dig into the platform and see what it's capable of, which is a I, I think I see that, uh, well, I have seen that over the years. Lots of people maybe have bought something that sounds uh, fantastic. It has all of these listed features. Uh, and the RFP stage, they, they want to, to know that the platform is capable of all these things. They then go and buy it and find it's very difficult to actually use. Or the analogy that we often use is, you know, it's like buying a, a Formula One car, um, but then you don't, actually drive it on a track you only take it to go and pick up your groceries what you know what's the point of that you know the, the performance you can get out of that thing is, is is superb the trouble is with a formula one car is you need a really good driver you need a really pick, big good uh, good pit crew and probably a couple of very large sponsors to pay for the whole thing uh, and that's what we thought was was wrong with the industry is like hey you can drive this thing yourself all the features that we provide and we get asked to provide actually help drive the bottom line of our clients' businesses. So it's key to, to make sure that you're using all of them. I, I often talk to people about a continuous improvement program, and it's so easy to do something like that, but it's, it's by literally looking at what people are using and what they're not using, and say, why aren't you using this particular feature? Because it will help your business. And if you can understand where that would fit in, then actually help uh, you know, drive our customer success. Yeah, most definitely. I think there's... And there's plenty of features that are really, really straightforward and really um, are, can do a lot for a business. Um, so with that, with, with that whole thing in mind of making it easy for the customer, making the interface um, user friendly, and helping people get the data and the reporting out the the backend system that they need that will become actionable for their business, so they can say this is working, this isn't working, let's do more of this and less of this, and so on. Is there a feature within Dotmailer that not you didn't struggle to get in but was either a, a struggle to produce or that you're most proud of or um that when it went to market you were like this this is going to define what dot mailer is capable of in that sense for, for, for a small business or a medium-sized business yeah absolutely i think our, our automation studio where you know everything happens i think is is probably the key bit for me i I can say, was it a struggle to get on the platform? I remember actually sitting down with a team saying, we need this at this stage. I was uh, 
living in New York, and there was a couple of competitors that that kind of thing, and we could do various automations by drop downs and so on and so forth, but it just wasn't visual and as sexy as as really that that DNA of the company of the the Fisher Price interface really demanded. Um, so we sat down, we agreed to do it, and the guys built it. We had a fantastic video made for our 15th anniversary, and uh, one, our head of our uh, account management team has a great quote in there. And she said, when we launched that, her team went over and hugged the developers. They were crying. They were so pleased, so excited. It delivered absolutely everything that they wanted and needed at the time. And the most exciting thing about that is it continues to evolve absolutely every day. As I say, it's the epicenter where... Everything that we stand for um, uh, begins. So it's not about batching and blasting. It's about sending tailored one-to-one messaging. And that is done by triggering and automation. And our development team have continued to enhance and develop that o- over the years. And, and most exciting, uh, probably in the last 12 months or so, we, we acquired a company called Kamapi that enables us to uh, – um, Kamapi stands for Communication API – and they, they API and link into lots of different channels. So now in the automation studio, it's not just about sending emails. You can send stuff into Facebook Messenger. We're looking at linking into things like WhatsApp when their API is finalized. We're looking at things like WeChat uh, for Asia and what have you. Yeah. So it really truly is now an omni-channel automation uh, studio. So, yeah, I was proud of it when it first came out. Oh, God knows how many years ago that was now. Uh, and I'm still proud of it uh, every day in terms of the enhancements that, that, that we continue to make to it. Yeah, no, it is it is a really good platform. I know from from previous experience, I remember sitting with a, an old colleague of mine and everything that, um, everything that we kind of planned out in the business, which a little bit of a digression, I guess, but everything we planned out in the business, his idea was draw me a picture. And then um, yeah. we had a, we sent our email work out to Tender and we spoke to Domela and a couple of others as well um at the time and the interface was was fairly new at the at that point and i remember him saying if uh, everything i wanted in an email was in a picture it would be this picture and it was the workflows of dot mailer saying if you do this x y and z happen if you don't do this a b and c will happen and and that's kind of sold sold dot mailer a lot to, to people yeah. because of that visual element and because it is so uh, easy to understand, I guess. Yeah. I, I feel a bit bad saying the automation studio for our development team that built Easy Editor because, again, that in itself is a country mile. I, I, I can honestly put my hand on heart and say it's the best editor in the email space globally. Yeah. The, again, the level of sophistication and how that's developed since day one uh, has been remarkable. And, and both the automation studio and Easy Editor, you know, I've done numerous demos to people over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount of times I actually get asked, well, can you actually show me that on the live system now? And I was like, I'm showing you. It's like, it can't be that easy. It yeah. can't <laughs> only take, it, you can't just have done that. Uh, can you just do that again? And, and when you're at that, the penny drops and they realize that we've actually you know, ticked one of the major boxes or actually removed one of their major pain points, I, I do feel like sort of an anesthetist going around the, the industry and just removing people's or marketers' pain. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think when you show things like the, the easy editor and the, market, the automation studio, people are just gobsmacked about how much they, they potentially have struggled uh, on previous systems. That's it. I, I was just going to ask as well, Is it, a, you probably have this conversation a lot, like you just mentioned, where 
people are reluctant to really um, invest in email or bring someone in, especially at the start, when, when, but going back a couple of years, where they would say, I don't have the time to get someone to build an email. I don't have the time to build an automated system and stuff like that. And then .mail will come in and say, within 20 minutes, half an hour, you can have a welcome series. You can have a, a, a lapsed customer series. You can have a, a happy birthday series and, and these kinds of things. Do you get that a lot where people say, I, I don't have the time or I don't have the resource for email? And then after it, they just, can I have .mail now? How long will it take to integrate? When can we start and all this kind of thing? Because it, yeah. it is a really simple process when, when you understand the, the logistics of it, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of our competitors you know, will say they have an easy-to-use easy system. I don't think anyone in their right mind would market that we have a difficult-to-use system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um, so that made us uh, just think a bit, you know, we, we, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves? So instead of talking about ease of use, we talked about speed of use. And we did a lot of research um, back in the day with e-consultancy, and we looked at what most marketers do in, in, the, in, in terms of email marketing, what, what they spend their time on. And something like 80 to 90% of their time was spent on production, just getting the thing out. Maybe your one newsletter a month. You know, that's the design, the creative, the HTML code, your segmentation. So very little time is actually spent on strategy, testing, analyzing the results, and adjusting the strategy in that cycle. So we really focused with that, that Fisher-Price interface with the NASA technology is making it speedy to get the stuff into production and out the door so you can focus on that strategy, testing, and analytics, i.e. the important things that move the needle in terms of success. And I think we, we, have a, we had a nice case study where our former marketing uh, director used to work at one of our clients. I think it was uh, Odeon Cinemas. And the platform they were then using, uh, because they migrated to .mailer, for, for him to get his email uh, produced, you know, coded, segmented, and out the door, I think that process for him took about six weeks Wow. And when he did his first one in .mailer, it took him six minutes, and he was just blown away. Yeah, it it is it, it is really um, it's amazing how much information and how much uh, data you have available in the system. Like I was talking to one a developer colleague not so long ago, and he was like, "Well, if it if it exists in your e-commerce platform, one .mailer can see it, and two we can." We can custom, we can segment on it, or you can build a list on it, or you can report on it, or you can get data from it. So it's really up to you how much you want to see as as a client and how much a business is um, is willing to invest the time into understanding the customer as well. I think that's another thing as well. A lot of a, a lot of businesses will just kind of throw one email out and hope it sticks. Whereas if you actually spend the time, the return is there when you invest in it. It's just convincing people that. They should invest in it, I think. Uh, absolutely. You, you made me think of something there. I mean, we talk about favorite features, uh, and hopefully some of our, our developers are actually listening. I think a lot of credit is always given to the, the, the things that you can see, uh, and when there's things that you can't see and they just work well, people forget. Um, but what you talked about there, we can absorb any data. We call it insight data. And that data can be used to, you know, customize uh, and tailor the email uh, in terms of non-consumer uh, data. Uh, or, as you say, we can absorb all that information from your CRM or your e-commerce system. 
the fact that we can do that, and the fact that you can query that in things like Easy Editor and the Automation Studio in seconds, milliseconds, the huge amount of data sets is an enormous technical challenge. And the fact that they've made that so easy is phenomenal. And I think you know, people tend to forget the, the, the absolute wizards we have in terms of the development team that have made that possible. Because we see so many of our, our customers struggle and things fall over when they're trying to do large segments and so on and so forth. So amazing job by them. And again, they, they do some fantastic stuff in terms of uh, getting the emails delivered with our data watchdog and our you know, automated uh, some of our automated uh, systems we have around deliverability as well. At scale, the size of volume and databases we have to deal with are epically enormous. So you know, I tip my hat to them. And, and going back to your, your other question on uh, time spent on stuff, I'm, I'm very fortunate as I've taken .mailer around the world. You know, I've, uh, I've lived in North America now for, for a number of years. You know, I spent a lot of time in Australia, and now currently our focus is sort of on, on Asia Pac. We see very different challenges to and and from, from marketeers and perspectives. So, you know, perhaps in the UK you have you know a marketing manager there, and their, their day job involves getting one email out the door a month. Uh, but they've also got to do an event. They've got to write some copy. They've got to update the website. Perhaps they're doing something in print. Maybe doing a podcast. All of that kind of stuff, and everything falls under their remit. When you go to the US, the type of people we're talking to, their job role is email marketing director. And under them, they have a whole team of people who do stuff. Um, and that is because they've really established how much revenue that they can drive for their business that comes out of email. So they have a dedicated team to, to absolutely focus on that. It does present us slightly different challenges when we go to some of these teams. The email director loves .mailer because you can do so much stuff so quickly and suddenly he's looking at his team going, well, do I need this person, this person, this person? <laughs> so it's hard to win that battle, but it's a, yeah. it's a good good conversation to have and say, look, no, you don't have to spend your time doing. You can now spend you know, your, your man hours you've got there in your team, you can now spend on, to say, those things that move the needle, which is your testing and you know, your strategy and analyzing your results. Nice. Okay, so that kind of leads nicely on to all of the technology technological advances that dotmailer have made the interface the systems understanding all the data from uh, a magento or shopify or shopware all of these different platforms or whatever it may be in all the different formats that you've got what what's next for dotmailer how do you see dotmailer evolving or how do you see email evolving and dotmailer um following the trend in the next say six to 12 months because i know we're going to touch on a couple of other things in a minute with like gdpr and things like that and the changes in uh legislation towards it but technology wise where do you see email email and dot mailer evolving well as, as i mentioned earlier uh, we acquired kamapi yeah. which is a messaging platform so i think um you know we'll see a lot more omni-channel stuff and you know we, we made that move because there's been a lot of talk about that in, in industry for many, many years. And I think, you know, outside of .mailer, I've worked at the DMA in the UK and, and in the US. And I think lots of people have talked about it. And again, we've actually analyzed it. People have struggled to actually really do it because data lives in different silos. And in some instances, you have different teams uh, within an organization that are KPI'd. 
uh, perhaps in, in slight conflict with each other, the SMS team uh, trying to drive results over and above the, the email team and maybe the social team, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, I genuinely see the, the world is now wised up to that. So that's why we've bought uh, Kimapi. So there's a lot of technical integrations and there's, you know, we released a load of um, additional channels that are our summit in London uh, a few months back and over the coming months and the coming quarters as we do our, our major releases, there'll be more announcements as, as that sort of starts to evolve. Uh, and I think that's that, that's a real rationale on, on the industry. Uh, what else is going on in the industry? You mentioned our deep integrations because we can absorb any data into our data insights. That's how we're able to work uh, at a very sophisticated level with partners like Magento, Shopify and so on. Um, so I think the interoperability of, of systems, you know, we have a, a very sophisticated API uh, and you know, many SDK kits that, that makes integrating with that very, very easy. And again, as I go back to being able to absorb all that data, that means that we can really uh, sit between systems. And we often talk about best of breed. There's so many um, organizations out there. There's been a lot of acquisitions in the space. You know, we've seen Oracle, Salesforce, uh, Adobe, uh, IBM and what have you, making a play. And what we typically hear from our customers is they have a great marketing message, but we've got this one company that does everything. But really, you know, ironically, what they're saying is the only thing that's really integrated is the invoice that I get at the end of the month. So they still struggle, even though they're under the same panel, they, they still sort of struggle. So uh, we talk about best of breed and saying, what you have in terms of marketing automation uh, today, we, we you know we are the solution. What systems you have that sit around that, uh, we can easily integrate. Now, if you evolve and you get more sophisticated and, and you need to change one of those systems, it's okay. You don't have to move from .later because we're equally uh, integratable into any other platforms that you, you, you migrate to in the future. So we, a lot of people are future-proofing themselves by, by going, going down this best-of-breed route. Cool. Okay, so... We mentioned, um, we've talked about the, the kind of technology and moving into a more social space and, and content space and all these kind of things. What, I know this is kind of a, a, a difficult subject for some people to talk about, especially in terms of like recommendations and, and what you should do and what business shouldn't do and all that kind of stuff. But where do you sit on the new, well, we came in last month, the GDPR legislation. Some businesses have seen it as, a negative some have seen it as a positive from a customer point of view it is probably a positive thing because you have more control over your own data and things like that businesses have seen um databases reduced they've seen um different things happen what are, what are your views on the whole situation and and the the implementation of the legislation yeah sure um uh, interestingly, I think absolutely everyone is an expert on GDPR because they all got those emails asking them to do various things. So everyone's got an opinion on it. Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 not often uh, in this world you know, that, that I've been living in for the last twenty years where uh, data regulations and legislation is a hot topic. When you know, you're sort of down the pub, everyone's talking about it. You know, that yeah. just never simply happened before. And <laughs> um, so, so actually, I think it's a good thing. You know, a lot of the principles of GDPR is 
what we at Dotmailer and many of our competitors who work together in organizations like the email marketing councils, as I said, the DMA uh, uh, globally, you know, those organizations have had best practice guidelines now for, God, as long as I can remember. And, and do you know what? If you were adhering to those best practices, GDPR would have meant nothing. You had to do nothing. So I think what it really does is, is it has shaken up a lot of people to really think about what they're doing with data, uh, how they're storing it, how long they're storing it, what they're doing doing with it, who they inherited it from, because in, in many instances, marketers have, have changed jobs every few years. So you get a new job and say, I've got this database. Where did it come from? And that really highlights to me that maybe people hadn't been following the best practices. And that's why we people have concerns about you know what's going on with their, their data when you put yourself in a consumer's shoes. We've all watched Zuckerberg being, being interviewed uh, about what's going on at Facebook and what have you. We've worked long and hard uh, with the information commissioner in the UK, dating way back to things like the cookie law changes. And essentially, when, when we spoke to the information commissioner by then, is just show and demonstrate you're one of the good guys, that you're responsible with data, uh, you're doing your best to uh, be responsible with that data and look after the interests of um, the consumers that you actually hold data on. So... You mentioned people's databases have shrunk. In some instances, they have. I think there has been some some pretty poor um, education and advice out there. A lot of people did a repermission, and actually, under GDPR, you could argue that you don't need to do that. You should, you know, if if you didn't have permission, you were probably in breach of the PECA code beforehand. Uh, so it sort of highlighted that people didn't know if they had permission or not, or maybe just certain segments of their data they, they weren't sure or not. So I think it's going to be interesting in the wash-up of all this. There will be a number of people that uh, will have done a permission pass that will sit, will have seen a bit of a shrink to data. I think once they realize it's just not them, I wonder if there's a movement um, in, in that area to actually say, well, you know, GDPR, it wasn't clear, hasn't been you know, fully defined or best defined over, over a period. So, yeah, I was having some discussions with some industry folks yesterday. So was, we're, we're watching this space and what happens to that particular uh, sector of the market that have been impacted. Yeah, I think it, you hit the nail on the head there for a lot of a lot of different businesses of different sizes. When you mentioned about the there was so many gray areas, I think, and even speaking to different email providers and different development teams and, and all these people who have been in the industry for years it was such a big change of legislation that came in that i don't think anyone really it wasn't like rolled out properly or to everyone's advantage like you said before if, you, if you're looking after data and you're, you're in it for your customer then you didn't really have much to worry about but then when you get presented with so many different gray areas of should you shouldn't you do action yeah. x it, it becomes a bit more of a um pan, i don't think panic situation is the right kind of phrase for it but businesses will be like should i do a double opt-in should i not do a double opt-in is a privacy policy change enough am i ticking the right boxes and and, and that's where the kind of um the the the, the knee-jerk reactions came from i guess yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, the penalties could be so significant that you know you, you mentioned panic. I mean, maybe that's why it actually led to some of some of the concerns, is because you know if I if I get this wrong, you know I could be in, in a whole lot of trouble. And I, I don't really think uh, the legislation is really being put in place to 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 
generate revenue for finding people. Yeah. What what it's about is making sure people are doing the best by the consumer and being responsible with their data. Uh, and if you're demonstrating you're doing the best to be able to do that to the best of your ability, then I think you're in a, in a good place. And you know, as I say, we've worked uh, very closely with the data regulators for, for a number of years across the globe, actually. And you know, I was very proud at our, our, our London summit, so that was only a couple of months ago, part of our, our release. It may have got under the, the radar compared to some of the omni-channel stuff we're doing. But we actually released seven features uh, in the platform that helps clients to demonstrate their compliance. So we don't make, no one can actually make you compliant because that's the, you know, that, that's your job. Yeah. But things like the right to be forgotten, it's easier to delete data, your permission statements, uh, and what have you. We you know, we store you know, all of that information. What was the statement? What was the date? What was the IP address? And quite interesting, again, so in my, my travels to, to sort of Asia and, and North America, I look at uh, the platforms that a lot of our customers are using there. And I literally, I was in an event in New Orleans maybe about a month ago, and the penny dropped. You could hear it in the room, with the clattering on the floor, where a load of the, the American marketers are going, so this GDPR thing, it actually applies to us as well. And it's like, sure, if you're marketing into Europe, it does. Do you know where you know, where does that Gmail address that you've got in your, in your database, do you know where that person lives? No. Do you know what permission you've got on that? No. Right, am I in trouble? Potentially. Uh, how you know, so that, that's been really exciting showing it how as a platform not only can we do the sexy stuff which is all of that uh, NASA technology and Fisher Price interface but you know good solid regulation and legislation we can really help people and we understand it's a concern we understand it's a worry and that has led to uh, as you say potentially some panic but hopefully in some of the things that we've been able to put into our platform uh, we're, we're able to reassure uh, our, our customers excellent okay so um, we, we kind of, we, I think we've covered a lot of uh, email and uh, technology and all these kind of things. So I want to kind of move into the events that you've been speaking at and being asked to judge and all these kind of things just to get a different slant on the kind of other things that you do in conjunction with .mailer and obviously getting the .mailer out, name out there while, while you're doing all of these things. But the, the speaking events and the judging of uh, UK tech and uh all these kind of things. Is this something that you always wanted to delve into? Is it something that you had a, a goal in mind that one day you would like to, or has it been an evolution of your journey in the industry? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd ever set out to say it was a, a goal to do all of this <laughs> stuff because it does, it, it, it's a lot. Um, but certainly we did set out initially, um, certainly in the UK, to work very closely with the DMA to be establish ourselves as thought leaders uh, in the industry. And I think, as you said, that's a natural progression as .mail has grown, uh, my, my, my remit has grown in terms of uh, location as well, you know, geolocation. Um, so I, you know, I served at the DMA in the, U in the UK and I, I, I helped judge their awards for many years. I think I chaired the, the, the judging committee at one point. Uh, I judged the, the equivalent now in the US and as you say, I now judge the UK entrepreneur and uh, tech awards as well in the UK. So it's, it's a real pleasure to be asked to do that. I think I was asked to judge the, the marketing awards, the Echo Awards in uh, in New York uh, this coming year as well. So it's always a privilege um, when someone says that we'd like to, to use your experience and knowledge in in, in, the, in your sector to, to see how everyone's doing. 
Uh, it's a lot more work than it's probably seen because you go to the gala event and the winner is blah blah blah. But there's sort of weeks and weeks and months and months, and there's there's all sorts of paperwork that has to, you have to go through and read and analyze and assess and compare and contrast. Um, so it's a long story, and I'm I'm, I'm obviously equally delighted. I've been uh, a, a judge on the Dot Mailers Dotties, uh, which is an extraordinary event. I think our, our marketing team have done fantastically well. I'm, I'm super excited. I saw the date. Um, announced yesterday, so I think we're looking uh, uh, for dotties in November, and we're, I think we're open for entries now. So if any of your your, your listeners are uh, are interested in that, they're using Dot Mailer, and they think they've had some successes, then do keep an eye out on the dotties and, and get 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 your submissions in. I'll be looking forward to reading them. Awesome, good stuff. So is there one then that you, I know you mentioned plenty then where you've judged awards and you've been involved and you've sat on councils and things like that. Is there one that is kind of, other than the Dotties, because obviously that's founded by you guys, that has been close to heart or that you've, is was the, the first one the nicest one because it was the, the one where you got the most experience or is the one that's kind of close and you think, that that was the one that kind of made me want to do more or is the one that you haven't done yet and you think I'd love to be involved in X event? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure if there's one that I'm desperate to get into because there's probably loads out there that I'm not even aware of. Uh, and cert- certainly in terms of what put me on the journey, the, the DMA Awards in the UK uh, is a very, very slick uh, operation and organisation. You know, it, it is a really rigorous process behind it, probably more rigorous than, than, than anything else I, I've, I've been involved in in terms of judging. So that's really set the benchmark uh, for me in terms of quality. So again, if there's any Dot Mailer customers, we love it when we hear the winners are X, Y, and Z, and they're, they're, they're a Dot Mailer customer, and we're, we're happy to help them with their submission um, uh, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think for those, especially those listening in the UK, I think the DMA awards are, are very, very high quality. Cool. Okay, so you 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 run Dot Mailer, you judge awards, you sit on councils and all these kind of things. Is there then from a from a different slant again to say how do you stay productive and how do you stay involved in everything that's going on? How do you stay on top of everything that's going on within Dot Mailer and all of these different areas? Is there one tip you've got for the listeners that would say to get the most from your day, you you need to do X or do you have like a process in the morning? Like I know a lot of people talk about they have a, a, a their habits in the morning or their rituals in the morning or whatever you want to call it, and they have their top five things they want to achieve in a day or the top three things they want to achieve in a day. How how do you kind of structure your day to get the most out of it? Yeah, I think there's there's two things that spring to mind there. Uh, firstly, some of it's partly enforced on me. Is how I actually look at my inbox these days. I'm I'm, I'm based on the on the west coast of America at the moment. And just time zone wise, it's made made me manage my my inbox uh, in a slightly different way. You know, I I wake up in the morning and I have a whole load of emails from from the UK. Uh, So I I can delete the ones I don't want. I can look at the thread of conversations and just read the last one and then really uh, align those in terms of order of priority that they need to get back to. Um, Then shortly after that, I get all the stuff from the New York team. Uh, and then I get a good bit of my time free during the middle of the day to actually do the actions. So when I prioritize stuff, I can action that stuff. And then come four o'clock, I, I, I pretty much get Australia and the APAC team. Uh, the process kicks off. But what that's really 
made me realize is perhaps I was too reactionary to my inbox as soon as something came in, I'll fire a rapid response. So it is sometimes okay to wait. Uh, and then so I look at maybe doing the vast majority of scout, you know, going through my inbox at particular times of the day um, just to afford that time to get stuff done. And I think probably my biggest tip in, in, in business, I, I, people have laughed at me over the years for, for using this expression, but I jokingly say I'm, I'm always looking to hire someone that I can delegate my task to on my behalf. Uh, and and what, I really, what I really mean by that is don't try and do everything yourself. Uh, and it might be easy to say in a growing business like .mailer that's rapidly scaling, but I've always said to the team, um, you know, do a good job. Once you've demonstrated you can do a good job, train someone else to do your job, and then I can give you something more exciting to do. You get something more exciting. And people's careers are growing. So we've seen a lot of people have been with .mailer. Uh, for some of them, you know, 10 plus, 15 plus, some of them coming up to 20 plus years. And they've only stayed with us because we've been able to give them opportunities and their careers have grown. And they've only done that because they, they've actually taken a leaf out of that book by saying, right, okay, I'm not scared to give away some of the things I do or train and develop other people because that's what's empowered them to be able to move on. No, that makes total sense. I, I've had so many conversations lately where people have said, like, as soon as you can train someone to do the things that you can do and move on to, to something bigger and something better and some, like you just said, something a bit more interesting, it, it it keeps the it keeps the whole business interesting. It keeps the whole um, market interesting for you as well, and to kind of keep you still biting at it, I guess. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and do you know what? From meeting some of the dot mailer guys as well uh, over the last couple of months at different events and different talks and all these kind of things, every one of them has really seems empowered and seems like they're they're willing to do different things to kind of engage people at an event um, or. They'll, even yesterday, I know we were exchanging emails uh, last night about a couple of different things, and Pete at the event last night was done done his talk, and it was completely different than one we'd seen um, Gabby do at an iWeb event a couple of months back. So everyone everyone's engaged with .mail and wants that everyone else to be part of it, and it come it does come across like that. That's the way the guys engage with everybody. Oh, thank you. That's that, that's really good to hear. Obviously, being over side the other other side of the planet, um, you don't get to see and, and, and feel and, and, and hear all of that stuff. But it was certainly uh, part of the the culture of we call it the Doc family. That you know that I was I was and I still am a, a massive advocate for. So it's great when you empower people and you trust people that that DNA of being the right type of person, the right dot human, as it were. Uh, uh, persists, uh, you know, continues in in the UK. That's fantastic. No, I admit. You know what? Just before we we come on, then we were looking through Instagram and stuff like that, and see, we I was talking to Pete last night about um, the dot selfie because all the dot mailer guys seem to start with a selfie or include some kind of selfie in their talk, and we were laughing about it. it's became it started out as a joke and now it's became an actual thing. And even on yours, you you're using the hashtag dot selfie and kind of. In, engaging with that I'm part of you guys as well and, and you guys are part of what we're doing in different arms of the world so it is really cool it's really good yeah, I think it's important I mean a lot of people get tied up with being you know, you know really stuffy and really buttoned up and you know you have to make sure you have the the right audience in the right place so you look at my Instagram there's a lot of my business stuff about my travels but it's also a bit of the personality of Dot Mailer I think 
things like LinkedIn for me is much more serious and, and blogs and maybe you know uh, Twitter is very much sort of a, a, a cross between the two maybe turn turn towards more more the LinkedIn but having that social presence and being able to show that you know wide um, different cultures in terms of you know here's the straight up business advice but here's also the fun uh, side of the business you know we are not only technically good to deal with but also really pleasant to deal with as, as, a, as a culture yeah just nice people it's funny when I when I started um, working for myself not so long ago when I was speaking to a development partner of ours I can't even recall the conversation but the one thing that stood out to me was I just want to work with nice people who are just nice people and it seems to have resonated across so many different platforms with whether it's email or whether it's development or whether it's um, like personalization or whatever it is the people in these industries they just want to work with nice people who are willing to help them when they need it and all these kind of things so it's it's good to see so what we'll do is i know where, when as well when we, we were discussing what to what to chat about and stuff there was a couple of quick fire questions as well that we'd ask you before before we closed our interview so if we're okay to shoot through our quick fire sure absolutely yeah okay so you were mentioned before about your um always busy you're always in um <clears throat> judging awards you're dealing with technologies and advances and all these kind of things you structure your day in a particular kind of way but is there an app that you have that you just can't live without other than email because obviously you deal with email a lot um i guess i guess to rethink now uh, <laughs> is the one that you say like where, where you structure your day from like there's so many different calendar apps and so many different uh task manager apps and all these kind of things the slacks and to do us to know all this is the one that you say this is mine and i'm using it or do you just go off of whatever comes in like you mentioned before yeah uh i was, I was gonna cheat and say email uh <laughs> you, you called me up on that I, I use you mentioned slack i use slack all the time and i think uh, as a business tool that has been tremendous and you know really has helped uh control the inbox uh for the right stuff uh i think a lot more of my really key important stuff that needs to be documented goes through email just the the quick and easy, the banter and all of that kind of stuff, you know, a lot of that goes through Slack and a lot of stuff gets done, especially as we've expanded globally. I think that's been a, a, a game changer. There's stuff just in, in my daily life because I'm permanently on the road. Um, I, I use, a, use an app called Time Buddy because I, I never know what time someone I'm speaking to is in or when someone emails me and says, oh, can, can, we, can we speak at 5 o'clock CT? You know, what's CT? I don't know. And what does that mean to me? Where am I in the world today? I'm, I'm on AST in Australia or PST here on the West Coast or ET. Um, and that, that does a really nice visual uh, representation of the timelines, makes makes that life really easy. Also, probably more importantly, it, it, it tells me on, on the weekend what time I need to get up wherever I am in the world to watch my favourite team, Crystal Palace. Oh, okay. <laughs> good stuff. Good, good, good. So um, is there then a... One of our other quick fires was a, a favorite book that you've read. Like so many guys who have built big businesses and, and continue to build big businesses, there's a, there's something that has inspired them in the first instance, or there's something that they go back to. Uh, many people have read GDPR like five six, not GDPR, <laughs> uh, GTD like five six times. They go back to it every year and they find something different, something new, and all these kind of things. It do, do you have something like that in your repertoire of? of building .mailer out or as an entrepreneur yourself where you look at and think that that's helped me make this decision or that decision? 
Um, yes, yes and no. I mean, my first comment on that is I get asked that question a lot. And I see a lot of people uh, obsessing about which book shall I read that will make me a success. And they, they try and follow someone else's formula or, or whatever. You make yourself a success, in my opinion. So it's not like you can get a book and it's your manual and that's instantly going to turn you into some uh, massive overnight success. Um, so I'm kind of not a big fan of the obsession with that. Obviously, there's lots of books out there from loads of different business leaders that, that, that do provide inspiration and insight um, to, to what made them successful. And I think probably the books that are best at that the ones where people are very open, they talk about their mistakes. I think you learn much more from learning mistakes than not actually making decisions because you're afraid to make mistakes. Make a mistake and monitor it and change it as soon as you, you realize it's just a, a mistake. That's okay. But in terms of book, if I had to pick one, uh, the book that I like most is Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, and my reason for that really is just from a general uh, marketing or digital marketing um background is that there's a lovely bit in the book that talks about Sesame Street and why that was so successful. So much analytics uh, and research and deliberate tactics went into that just in pure marketing uh, that well, I think we've all watched an episode of Sesame Street and do we realize that, that we're actually being marketed to them we're being taken advantage of in, in their instance we're marketing to encourage people and children especially to, to learn. It's so smart, and that's one of my one of my beats of the digital marketing world, and maybe the email marketing world in particular, is it's so easy to do it badly, but still get good results because the channel is so effective. And what really kind of you know my pet peeve is that people don't put as we talked about earlier, don't spend the time and effort to use all the features to spend their time looking at their testing strategy and what have you. They're too busy maybe doing that production stuff or, or, or other elements of marketing to really spend dedicated time and effort. And that dedicated time and effort is tried and tested traditional marketing tactics that, that date back to when my granddad was being marketed at uh, years ago. And I think digital marketing is so effective that we actually have lost some of the art of true marketing uh, and some of those skills. And I think... Um, Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell's book, actually brings those two worlds together quite uh, in quite a good way. It's like, to go back to what you mentioned before about the, de the development team as well, like when something is so seamless, people, they don't have too much interest in how it actually happened. They just want it to be seamless. So it, it, it's one of them invisible things that just happen. Oh, for sure. One, one of the people I feel most sorry for in our business is a guy called Steve Shaw is our CTO because everything always works, whether it's our internal systems, dot mailer, and it's it, every day that, that the, say, the size of that challenge gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know, he's such a cool, he's cool as a cucumber, Steve, big, big guy. He, he worked with us 20 years ago. It's actually a fantastic story. He was a, a work experience guy, one of our, it's our first or second ever employee. And sort of 20 years later, he's back as our CTO, and he's just—it's just the Iceman. But you know, the credit he, he's actually deserved is is enormous. But people just don't realise because they assume it should work, and it does. So therefore, great. But actually, the the, the scale of the the challenge that he and his his fantastic team that works with him uh, deliver is, is is immense. Yeah, it's the expectation. People just expect things to 
do what they're meant to do and they don't appreciate like you've mentioned a couple of times today like they don't appreciate that what goes on in the background the complexities and the difficulties and all this kind of thing as well um, it's not cool. it's not cool being the fire warden but it's cool being the fire department right yeah, they're, they're the cool guys that come and put the fire out and everyone sees it and what have you but do you know what if you prevented that fire in the first place does does that guy get all of the the credits and everyone you know, whooping about that person it just doesn't happen but it should yeah it definitely should and there's a lot like i know there's a lot of development guys who are like that where things just work and I don't think people really fully understand what is involved or appreciate what's involved at the same time. Um, so then we, we've, you've mentioned a couple of different quotes as well. I know you did um, the NASA technology with the Fisher-Price interface and all these kind of things. Is And you've said before that the whole motivation thing isn't really <clears throat> a, a big thing for you in terms of copying what people do or using that kind of thing. Is there a quote that then would stand out for you where you would say this is actually it does mean a lot it's it's stood us in good stead or it's something that dot mailer will follow and continue to follow um i looked you mentioned that question uh prior to the interview and i it, it did make me chuckle to sort of think about that um because something something immediately leapt to mind which is uh preparing to fail <laughs> i got it wrong <laughs> <laughs> Failing to prepare is preparing to fail, uh, and I think you can you can use that in any business or personal uh, situation. And, and the reason why that particularly you know, may, maybe chuckle or maybe resonated is one of the very first meetings that we had when the the, 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 the company founded. We were building an e-commerce platform for for customer. It was a contact that I'd known from a from a previous history, and I took along my co-founder Simon. And this guy is probably one of the coolest, most relaxed guys ever. And Simon turned up in a in a suit, and my mate, uh, who was he was the customer, uh, pretty much launched into him for turning up in a suit, and he'd never been so insulted. What have you? And Paul Simon, who's a techie, was quibbling, and he was only joking. So this guy was a real, real live wire, one of the craziest people I've probably ever met in my entire life. Um, but to have such a sensible slogan. Or, or, or quote was actually framed behind his desk in his office. I, I just found that the yin and yang of him being completely nuts, uh, but also having such a sensible <laughs> quote behind him has always made me laugh. Nice. So then our last one, and then we'll wrap up, is the one thing you would take to a desert island if you had to? Uh, my iPhone, without a doubt. Ah, good, good answer. <coughs> Cool. I, I do everything on it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so um, I, I just want to again. I, I know I started with it with a thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for your time and, and being able to chat to us and kind of give us a little bit more insight into Dot and into you and into all the things that you've got going on at the minute. I think all of the listeners, I, I don't think they will have um, known so much about Dot especially where it came from and the origins of things like that and all the different bits and bobs that we've we've covered today so just a massive massive thank you uh, absolutely my pleasure okay so i hope you all agree that Tink taylor really interesting guy really interesting chat about his evolution in the industry and uh, dot mailer's evolution as well over the last 20 20 odd years um a couple of big takeaways for me in our chat was when dot mailer was evolving into the email platform that it is now 
uh, we mentioned reoccurring and revenue. I think this is really a, for any business who can create reoccurring and revenue, then that's a strategy that won't fail. Um, it's a really solid, a solid way to get into business. It's a really solid outlook, even if it's not right now. If the end goal is to create a reoccurring revenue flow, your business will be okay long term. Um, and I think that's the proof's in the pudding there with, with, with Dotmailer and what they've been able to achieve moving from content to um, email. And now, obviously, the size of Dotmailer and the scope of the businesses that they work with is, is humongous. Um, the other takeaway for me was the GDPR piece. Now, me, same as a lot of people who have clients or a lot of people who work in different businesses, legislation comes out or new rules and regulations and things come out. And the first thing you do is panic. Like Ting mentioned before, if you treat your customers right, you treat your data right, and from the get-go, you're doing the right things. You have no reason to worry, no reason to panic. And it's a protection thing for both you and your consumer, your customer, your clients, whatever that may be. So just just think about that next time you're getting into something um, where data is involved, whether it is email or social or whatever else. If, you're, if you start off right, you have no need to worry. Um, and the, the last thing, that a big thing for me was if you fail to plan, plan to fail. And I've heard that a lot um, over the, the years. And I think it's very it, it hits the mark for a lot of people. Now, if you have a business, you're growing your business, you're developing your business, you have a side hustle that you, you want to take somewhere else and, and grow and develop, then <clears throat> sit down, have a strategy, have a plan and stick to it. It can be agile. You, you can change your plan as you evolve. If you get a different kind of client, if you get a different kind of um, business opportunity, then <clears throat> every business will evolve over time. It's natural. But you should really have a start point. You should have a, a goal in mind, whether it's what you want to achieve in three months, six months, eight months, a year, two years, five years, whatever it is, have a plan and stick to that plan. And if what you're doing is not directly related <clears throat> to that plan, then you need to question what you're doing and why you're doing it. Okay, um, so that that's that's all for me. I think <clears throat> the last thing for me to do is really again thank Tink. Uh, you can follow on follow him on Instagram at Tink.Taylor, where you can check out his speaking events, his um, his BMW judging ceremonies will be on there, I'm sure. Um, and check out the dot selfies with Tink and the dot mailer team. They all get involved in it. And if you can, if you check out the hashtag, then I'm sure you will see plenty of dot mailer activity from the last uh, from the last few months. You can follow us guys on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, ACR Digital. And again, I just hope you enjoyed the show. There's going to be plenty more, plenty of different guests, plenty of different um, takes on business, on strategy and everything else in between. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.